selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first realized store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Oh, I hope you have it cranked up and it's rocking your house or your car or your ear holes and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune into DLC. Maybe you're stuck in traffic. We're going to be there with you. Maybe you're on a workout. Maybe you're one of our geeks in sneaks rocking a run or at the gym. We're going to help you with 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is on now. Your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way it's meant to be completely free and that's thanks to our sponsor this week linda oh linda they made that possible bringing the show to you dlc of course the show all about gaming in its many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles and also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and i'm joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis the guy who got served in Street Fighter 2 last night by yours truly. Two games to one, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. I will admit uh, we played Super Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition and Jeff's 90s arcade skills. I got skills! I got uh, mad Street Fighter skills. They did. He he has a better better player than me. He won two matches to my one. I did, however, perfect you. You did. You're the one match that 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 I lost. You you did have a perfect round. Your E Honda. E Honda versus your. Were you Ken, Ken or I Ryu? It was Ken. I was Ken. Oh no no no! I was Ryu. You're right. Yeah, I was Ryu. Um, but your Chun Li. Ooh, yeah, I vicious. Oh, Chun Li is good, man. It was cool. We went to this place, this retro place here in Los Angeles that has a bunch of old stand up arcade games, and uh, it was really fun walking back up to the old Street Fighter cabinet and dusting off those old '90s skills. It was a blast. Um. We got so much to talk about this week. I'm so excited. We have an awesome guest. You know that DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because DLC stands for Days Live Streaming Comedian. 
as in Felicia Days, as in we've got Geek and Sundry's resident Twitch gamer, Mr. Iffy Wadaway with us. What's up, Iffy? Hey, how's it going? Welcome back to the show. The, the last time Iffy was on uh, was when I was on my honeymoon, so I was not here. So I'm, I'm excited because uh, I've been a fan of you for a while, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm not missing out this time. Yeah, I miss you too, but you're probably having a dope time on that honeymoon. <laughs> I was. It was a pretty dope honeymoon, I have, I have to admit. Um, but yeah, you can, uh, you can see Iffy tw- Twitch streaming all the time over at Geek and Sundry, but we got tons of stuff to talk about, man. Packed news week, packed games. This is the time of year, man. This is the stuff. Uh, so let's, let's not dilly-dally. Let's get right to story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration using the hashtag DLCSOTW on Twitter or by visiting our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And uh, we love getting your feedback and input on stories as well uh, over at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Lots of fun stuff there this week. Also, thanks everybody that wrote in. Um, we Right after we recorded last week, Paris Games Week kicked off. So lots of stuff to catch up on there, which is it's a little old, but we haven't weighed in on it yet. So uh, lots of cool stuff there. But there are other stories as well. So if he, uh, you have first pick, what is your story of the week? Uh, I think uh, the story of the week for me is going to have to be that No Man's Sky trailer because I've been uh, watching it for a while and it looks so good. Yeah, yeah, and we got a release date as well, which uh, I think is later than everybody was hoping. There was this rumor going around before Paris Games Week that there was going to be this stealth drop of uh, No Man's Sky, that it was going to come out day and date with Halo, and they were just going to be like, oh, by the way, it's available now for download. Boom, Halo! That did not happen. <laughs> did not happen. In fact, uh, we're not going to get it until June 2016. So, um, what do you what do you think? Are you excited for No Man's Sky, Effie? Yeah, I'm excited. I also wouldn't have thought that was going to happen, only because, like, you know, nothing against Paris Games Week, but I don't think it's a big enough gaming, you know, expo to be like, oh, you guys, everyone's in, everyone's tuned in. Guess what? Check it out. Boom. Like, yeah. you know. It was crazy at E3 when Xbox was like, and you can get the X-Bone now. And, yeah, and yeah. everyone's like leaving the convention center. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that the, the idea was it would have been a total stick it to you to Microsoft when, you know, their franchise uh, mascot is releasing a big marquee game, trying to juice sales of the Xbox One right before the holidays. And then and, and <laughs> Sony really doesn't have that big, uh, you know, that big game for the season that's exclusive to their console because Uncharted got delayed. So, yeah. you know, there, there was, there was a, I think, a little more hope than truth to that. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So, June is when we're getting it. Christian, June. Are, do you think that that means it's going to have some uh, PlayStation VR support? Or is it just that's how long it takes to make all the planets in the universe? I think that's how long it makes to... <laughs> that's how long it makes to take all the planets. That's how long it takes to make all the planets in the universe. And... I don't have any inside knowledge on this, but I do think some of this combat, like the new trailer, the Paris Games trailer they showed, was I think from what I've seen the most combat heavy um, trailer or you know any video from this game. I think that's maybe a later add into the game, like trying to gamify it a little more than just explore Mark, explore Mark kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there were also some rumors this week from 
people inside or that have had access saying that um, the game's been giving them problems. They've had a hard time, apparently. These are just rumors, but the E3 stage demo was running off of a PC, which isn't entirely uncommon, but they were having a hard time getting it ported over to the PS4, harder than they thought they would since, you know, they're such similar architectures. And the game is... um, while kind of quote-unquote feature complete, nothing seems to work altogether. Um, and I don't understand game design or you know this particular game enough to to know if that's a huge concern or if June it will come out. But I, I feel like whoever the powers that be are at Sony um, think that they can muscle this thing through. Just because to give it a date at all means something's coming out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. They could always delay it, but something's coming. And I don't think it'll be VR support yet. I think this game might add it in, but I don't think that's the reason for the hold. Um, Jeff, you probably think I'm wrong, but uh, no, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think I, I don't think it's going to have your support either. That's another sort of conspiracy theory thing. I, I think it's more telling that it's uh, it's coming out day and date with the PC. I think that's really great news. I mean, it's been so associated with the PS4 because Sony's had it as a guest on their stage at, at E3 a couple of times now. But you know, the fact that it's being released day and date on PC, I think is I think it's great news for PC gamers. I'm I'm excited for that. Oh yeah. Especially, like, as a huge PC gamer, I'm so tired of getting sh- horrible ports uh, days. <laughs> nice <laughs> getting, catch. Yeah, uh, horrible <laughs> ports, you know, way after. Like, I'm a big WWE fan, and WWE 2K15 was just subpar. The roster was way behind because it came out so much later. And mm-hmm. then they went and did the same thing for 2K16. So it's like, okay... So we keep getting the short end of the stick. So I'm hyped. You're not going to have to do a, a WWE podcast someday. That, that, I've been dying to do one of those. Justin Robert Young is a really big fan too. I'm like slowly assembling a, a team to do a WWE podcast. I think that'd be so. Well, fun. I'm so down to do a WWE podcast. I oh, I, man, I got be fun. We, you'd have two people. Me and my roommate go nice. hard on WWE. So um, I'm always bringing up WWE things, and Christian's like, I don't. You'd stop. Um, Christian, what is your story of the week? To play the Jeff Kanata character on this week's show, I'm covering the VR story. No, you're stealing mine! How dare you! Sorry, sorry. Uh, I think it's big news. So they announced that the PlayStation VR will have an external processing unit. uh, dare you. You might have known as Project Morpheus. It's going to need an external box to help deliver on its premise. Uh, They call it... (laughs) I love stuff like this that comes out. Uh, via PowerPoint slides or whatever, Sony is calling it a PU, short for <laughs> processing unit. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. I love Sony so much. But your um, engineers didn't realize that what they were saying. I don't know. It's a PU. <laughs> it's just a shorter version of the words that we've been using. Right, which is totally where you see that this came out of the Unite 2015 developer conference. Like this wasn't, uh, you know, big splashy stage demo with flash pots going off and <laughs> welcome the. PU. <laughs> yeah, no, this is for developers by developers. Right, but the unit engineers. is meant to do the heavy lifting, at, uh, getting the low latency and um, some of the audio processing and, and some of the things that, you know, make this thing deliver the promise that everybody wants it to have because people have been saying since Sony showed off Morpheus, now PlayStation VR, that there's no way this thing can compete with Oculus if it's running off a of PS4. Oculus released, you know, minimum specs for what kind of PC you need to have. And um, Sony has said before that the PlayStation VR is going to be the price the same as a console. Expect it to be that that kind of price. And now it's starting to make sense. And now I'm starting to see some hope for this thing. And, and maybe it, 
maybe, 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 just pure speculation on my part, this thing will have legs after the PS4 also. Like, this unit can continue to offload and set it up. I don't know, but that this has me far more excited in PlayStation VR than I was when it was just a headset, you know, running what would have been PlayStation 2 games because it was using just PS4 power. Dude, I couldn't agree more. This is fantastic news, uh, especially when paired with the the first video of Crytek's VR game, Robinson the Journey. Did you guys watch that? I did. I, I think you're pretty on rails, though. I don't know. Well, so maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. I'm, I'm sure you can move your head around. And I, <laughs> so I've played I've played pretty much every VR demo. I definitely played all of the Morpheus demos up to this point. And I've definitely played a vast majority of the of the Oculus demos that they've been bringing to the different events in the last year. I haven't seen I've seen a lot of beautiful games. I've seen a lot of amazing looking games on those devices. I haven't seen anything that looks like that Crytek uh, demo. So if that's what they're targeting, if that's what they're I hope that it actually does look like, which, by the way, this game, you're like this little kid that, uh, you know, you you go through a portal in time or something like that. And you end up in this crazy world with a robot companion that's floating with you. And it's dinosaurs. It's dinosaurs all around you. Uh, and it looks absolutely stunning. If, if the reason that it can look like that is because it's got this extra chip in the box, ah, I bring it on, bring it on. If he, what's your take on VR? Are you excited? Is this good news? Oh, yeah, I'm excited, but I don't. I think the future of the VR isn't going to be Oculus. It's not going to be Morpheus. I think the future of VR is going to be the things like uh, Google Cardboard, like being able to mm. use VR off your phone because we already have phones. It's ready to go. You don't have to worry about buying a new peripheral. It's accessible to everyone. I think once that market starts tapping into that, that's when it's going to take off because right now I think I didn't really get hyped about VR until I experienced it myself at E3. And unless they're going to sit there and have an Oculus ready to go at GameStops, I think it's going to take a while for it to take off. Where and if they it, have it at GameStop, do not put that Oculus on your face. <laughs> yeah, for the love of God, some kid <laughs> threw up in that. Uh, <laughs> he threw up out of his eye holes somehow. I don't even know how he did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but, I think you might be right, man. I think I think that these technologies hopefully will work hand in hand and the inexpensive ones that still feel right uh, as the gear vr does uh i think will propel people into the more expensive ones hopefully because they're so excited about the more robust bigger experiences so hopefully hopefully those are the gateway drug in my I, opinion. yeah i still think it has so sony you know kind of they showed um the walk which is a woefully underwatched movie i think that doesn't matter but they had apparently a pretty impressive vr demo playstation vr demo for the walk where you know whatever they had like walk a hundred feet or whatever and you had the vr on as if you were the, the walk is about uh, uh what was it, empire state building chicago i don't remember uh, um, the world trade yeah man well, that's like the whole thing the world well, trade I, center it, whatever i, I the whole movie me. is like this homage to new york and the world trade center and 9-11 like the whole thing well, anyway, I would ahead. argue that it's an homage to New York and how the city... It doesn't matter. They're all the same to me because Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2 both had a New York moment, and it doesn't get any better than that. Okay. Details. Just saying, saying, it's a pretty special place with, I don't know, with the tragic American tragedy... Whatever. It's a, go ahead. 
What okay, you thank you. Let me. Uh, okay, so the walk. What's really important about it is it's an homage to New York and the World Trade Center. So they did a demo and they had people walk across this line, pretend line with the headset and the headphones and whatever, and people you know are like stumbling and falling because they're really feeling like they're up there and it's incredible and this experience is amazing. But if you watch the video that Sony released, there's still also a dude walking behind the people doing this demo, holding like a bundle of cables. <laughs> yeah, it's cumbersome. It's super cu- so like. I think people want that experience to like do more than just sit in your swivel chair and do VR. But unless my headset comes with like Fred <laughs> who holds the cables for me, like again, it, I think we're starting to see things that are getting excited. But every time I get really excited, there's something like that, that, you know, pulls me back a little bit, but hopefully it keeps going. It keeps going. It keeps going. Yeah. Well, to, to, to sort of just wrap up this topic, the one that you brought up, which is yep. the, the processor being a part of the, of the Sony VR hardware i think that's a great thing mostly because it shows me that they're not just trying to make the least expensive thing and just try to you know put it out and and cash grab that it really they really are about making the best experiences and they're willing to sort of try to make the ferrari rather than the volkswagen and that's that's what i want i think that's what vr needs especially at the outset is to people to, to even if it's expensive people put it on and go oh my gosh and I certainly, if anybody listening to this hasn't seen that <clears throat> Crytek video of the uh, Robinson, the journey, it, watch it because even in 2D, it's like, Ooh, those are dinosaurs. It's like being a Jurassic Park. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so obviously that was going to be my story of the week and Christian just jumped in and stole it. So I'm going to have to uh, scramble. There was actually a lot of really cool reveals during Sony's yeah. press conference at, at Paris games week. So Maybe we can just rattle through a few of them, and I'll get your guys' opinion on on everything. Um, the I think the biggest one was the one they uh, ended with, which is the new Quantic Dream game. These are the guys that made Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls, uh, two games that I happen to love. I think David Cage is a is a genius, and I love what he's doing. A lot of people, you know, feel like they're not interactive enough, but Heavy Rain to me is still one of the greatest games of that generation, and uh, I really liked Beyond Two Souls a lot. I didn't think it was as good as Heavy Rain, but I'm very excited about this game, which is uh, is called Detroit, and it seems to be uh, what's the name of the movie that just came out? Oh my gosh, it just left Eight my head. Eight Mile? No, no. Uh, Ex Machina. Uh, Ex Machina. Yes, thank you. Uh, Ex Machina, the <laughs> the video mile. game. No, not Eight Mile. Not eight mile. Uh, and it's just, I think it's called Detroit because it's kind of relating Detroit being the the automobile capital of the world. Now it might be this like synthetic human capital, like they're using the same. Uh, industrial uh, assembly line kind of aesthetic to to turn out synthetic humans and you play as one it's uh it's this character Kara which actually was part of a tech demo that Quantic Dream released back in 2012 just kind of showing their technology uh but now this is a real game and it looks uh very interesting to me what what was your take on it Ify? I liked it a lot. It looked really cool. It seemed like a really deep interesting story. It it's and you know, those guys who made Heavy Rain and how great that storytelling is, it actually lets me be excited about it. I feel like if I didn't know who was making it and how well they can tell a story, I would be unsure if they're really going to push the envelope. But, you know, I trust them with this, and it's, it, it got me super excited. It looks really good. Uh, the trailer was very interesting. I liked the way that it ended with the reveal, even though the whole time you kind of knew she was a uh, android. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, what do you think, Christian? Um, I don't. I don't remember if you were a fan of of those Quantic Dream games or not. Uh, Beyond Two Souls did nothing for me. I think I maybe put an hour in and then kind of just lost interest. Um, I really liked Heavy Rain. I I I hope that this game is incredible because I feel like I would really like David Cage at all to to not be an M Night Shyamalan kind of person where I feel like he's on the precipice of genius or going to be an asterisk in gaming where oh well that was neat um, and I hope he keeps advancing things and there's also uh, there was a Neil Gaff thread about this but this is the first time that the game won't be solely written and directed by David there's a team of three and um, whether that is good or bad or whatever it's joined by two writers in script writing Quantic Dreams PS4 game in development so hopefully it's going to be great I, I really hope it pushes storytelling forward and you know was it Warren Spector had a speech come out where he kind of said that that's not what gaming should be that type mm-hmm. of game or the uncharted types of games like we should do more with the medium that allows controller or player controlled influences instead of picking from a few set things whatever whatever you want to think about what the medium should or could be i think david cage does incredible things i wanted to see him do what he does but more so you know what i mean like i don't yeah. want him to try to be someone else but push his own envelope and don't just rest on impressive graphics yeah uh, it certainly looks exciting a few other games looked really exciting as well <clears throat> including um this game wild which is from uh, wild sheep studio and it uh, it's uh, Michel Ancel's, the guy who behind Rayman and a bunch of other great games. Uh, this is the game that was teased at E3, or, or maybe Gamescom last year, I think was the first time it was teased. But we're finally getting gameplay footage. This is fascinating. You play as a shaman in this big open world, sort of prehistoric open world. Prehistoric, by the way, very in vogue right now, uh, <laughs> as we're seeing with all yeah. these different games. But... Um, uh, you you can possess all these different crazy animals. You can play as rabbits and eagles, and um, you can ride a bear. Uh, I thought it looked really, really cool. Uh, that, and uh, also we got the first gameplay demo of Dreams, which is the Media Molecule game about sort of just creating fantasy worlds. Um, give me your uh, impressions of, of both of those reveals, Ify. Uh, Wild, I think, looks really cool, but, like, yeah, I find, like, with all these kind of prehistoric kind of games coming out, I'm interested to see how it sets itself apart from the pack, and, you know, obviously the whole shaman aspect is how they're gonna do it, but it's, I call it, like, the zombie effect, where, like, we had this period where we had so many zombie games, and even though they were all completely different, playing all of them you're just surrounded by zombies and they all feel the same no matter how different so yeah yeah so you know it looks really good it looks really cool it's definitely my favorite out of all the ones i've seen but if people flock to this whole new trend of gaming it's going to be interesting seeing which one comes out on top yeah i'm excited because we've never really had you know, prehistoric games, I guess, if, unless you count uh, Turok, I guess that's the only kind of one. But that really wasn't, you know, wasn't prehistoric. And I think that uh, between the, the Far Cry that we're getting and uh, Horizon and uh, all these games are sort of setting themselves in this time. It's, it seems interesting to me. Um, Christian, how about you? What What's your feeling? Uh, dreams, I, I think you're probably going to poo-poo it, but uh, what I saw just floored me. I was so amazed what they were able to pull off at Media Molecule. 
I, I hope Dreams is great. I mean, I'm probably one of the biggest Tearaway fans around, and I championed Little Big Planet, I think, much louder and harder than a lot of people did. I feel like Garnet and I were singing its praises where a lot of other people kind of thought it, you know, missed more than it hit. Dreams, I don't know. I still don't know. Like, I watched that demo, and I started getting really excited, and it was a live demo. I was like, oh, they're they're doing things. And then I was like, but what are they doing? <laughs> I still, you know, they're flying the thing around. I'm going to spray paint a smiley face. Why would you do that? I don't, it, yeah. was, it was really cool, but I still didn't quite comprehend what I would be doing when I was doing it unless I was doing it as a demo. Then I could see it. I'd be like, Jeff, you got to see this. You know what I mean? I don't know how it works when you're just playing it versus showing off all the weird stuff you can do. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, they, they said something that I have I hooked on uh, years ago when the first Little Big Planet came out. When the, you know, Little Big Planet first came out, It it the aesthetic alone was so engaging and so – it never you'd never seen anything like that before, and this idea of creating and playing. And I remember when I first got my hands on Little Big Planet, the thing I was most excited about is this idea of like we will make something as we're playing the game together. But it really was bifurcated, right? You either played or you created, and the, and never the twain shall meet. And even in Mario Maker, it's really bifurcated like that. You're not creating as you're playing; you're sort of ping ponging back and forth. And you know, while he was on stage, uh, and at Paris Games Week. Uh, what's his name from uh, Media Molecule? My brain not working. Um, but uh, the World Trade he, Center. <laughs> he mentioned that um, you know that's that's one of the things they've really tried to do is mesh those two things together. That you're creating as you're playing, and it isn't it isn't an either or. That it's it's all, all happening at once. And I think if this if this I don't even want to call it a game. If this thing <laughs> it can can catch on, and it could really make. It could be a a animation studio for people that don't have any skill in animation. Like you can I can imagine people creating fully fleshed out animated worlds and stories and shorts and uploading YouTube videos of these narrated, you know, animated movies and not being able to draw, not being able to, you know, program. It just kind of removes the barrier of entry from all that and you can really just create these wild vibrant worlds that are that look as good as 3D animated movies on the big screen easily. And and I, for that, you know, maybe it won't be something I will do, but I will be excited to see what people make with it. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I kept getting excited, but I just didn't know what I would do with it. Uh, but I almost feel that same way about Canvas and an easel. <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah. That's going to be beautiful. <laughs> Ify, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's the same thing, just kind of like Source Filmmaker, where, like, mm. you give the mass is the tools and then we get some pretty cool stuff like till this day i'm still impressed with all these counter-strike movies that people make and the jokes and just how in-depth people can get with it and i have source filmmaker i've opened it and i was like oh i can't even possibly <laughs> begin to start creating something like that yeah well speaking of creation games the, the last one i want to bring up is uh that game um uh, Boundless, that was also shown for the first time, really, uh, which clearly is influenced by Minecraft. It looks like PlayStation wants to have its Minecraft. It looks like a, a much more beautiful version of Minecraft. Uh, the, the idea here is that it's a MMO, and you're evidently creating these kind of block worlds, but but much more, I would say, much more vibrant, much more detailed, uh, much finer point put on, put on all the blocks. Um, and that because it's an MMO, every single person who's playing is playing in the same world, and there's all these different 
portals that you can walk through that'll take you to different parts and different people's creations, but everybody is in the same space at the same time, theoretically. Uh, I think that sounds like an incredibly exciting thing. I'd love to hear you guys' opinion about it. Boundless, uh, which is from Wonderstruck. Yeah, definitely. I'd see the very close connection to Minecraft and it looks real cool. And it's like, I feel like the pros and cons of trying to tap that marketplace is like the pros is you'll definitely pique their interest, but the cons are there's so much people have already put in and established in their Minecraft worlds that it might be hard to pull them away and you might not get anything out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Christian, what were you going to say? That exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. It. that's, that's the concern. Well, I, it certainly looks beautiful and, and intriguing and uh, I, I'm interested to see where it goes. Interesting uh, comment from colored coloring squared here in the, the chat uh, talking about dreams. He says a uh, Mario maker contrasted with little big planet and project spark show why dreams will fail. Sometimes simple is just better. I don't know. I, maybe simple is the wrong word. Maybe familiar. Uh, I think the fact that Mario Maker it, it works with such familiar uh, vocabulary, uh, you know, of, of stuff that we're all we've all grown up with, we all know inherently. Maybe that's what it is, and you don't have to invent a new vac- vocabulary every time. I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how these work. I love creation games, though. I I think that they they make me very excited that the tools are becoming more robust and the things you can make are becoming, you know, m- much less like a tool set and more like, you know whatever you can imagine. And that's pretty cool. Um, uh, all right, dude. So just overall, since uh, this is our first chance to talk about Paris games week, uh, do you think that, that Sony impressed? Do you think that they had a, a good showing or you excited about the Sony platform uh, going into 2016? What do you think? Ify? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's growing, you know, there's, they're starting to get like a good kind of, uh, stable of games and they're trying to push the boundaries. So I'm very interested in seeing where it's going. Yeah. And another thing I didn't bring up is the uncharted Four multiplayer video, which they showed, which uh, looked pretty awesome and had a lot of unusual new features like these companions and these kind of mystical items that you can use on the battlefield. Uh, that looked really cool too. Um, Christian, what do you think about uh, Paris games week? Do you think it was a strong showing for Sony? I think it was. I think it was a really strong showing. I think Sony has these stage shows down pretty well now for the PS4, where they're walking a line between confidence and hubris, and they come out swinging, but they're not being totally arrogant like they were at the end of the PS2. And we're in the life cycle for both of these consoles now, where we're starting to see, you know, there's still the big games coming. Halo 5 just dropped on Xbox. Uncharted 4 is still coming down, the, you know, the pipe. Uh, Crackdown is coming for Xbox. We're still getting these big AAAs, but we're in the point now where we're seeing even more and more of this experimental, weirder stuff getting big stage time at shows. And I think that's awesome. I think this is, you know, the best time to be fans of these consoles and hopefully some of these quirky titles will deliver we only really need one or two of them to deliver to look back on this generation so fondly and i love that there are so many trying to be you know that next darling uh it's really exciting yeah and i think i think you know the thing we always have for years every year going into e3 the thing we always rattle our swords about is new ip new ip new ip my goodness so many new IP out of this. Like every, almost every game we talked about is a brand new, you know, other than Uncharted 4 multiplayer, almost all these games are completely brand new 
new titles. And uh, how exciting is that? That there's these all these fresh gameplay ideas and, and things being brought to the table. And no cool. one remembers Haze really anymore, but they tried <laughs> it. You know what I mean? And yeah. everybody remembers Halo and they, and Bungie tried it. It took years to get right. It went from an RTS to a first person shooter from a Mac exclusive to a Xbox exclusive. And now it's the juggernaut that it is. And one of these, whether it's Horizon or Wild, you know, something's going to pop and stick. And you'll look back at this generation as the generation that gave you X game. And um, that's exciting. The most oh, yeah. submitted. Oh, go ahead. If you. you oh no, I was just uh, agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the most submitted story this week uh, from our listeners, uh, as far as uh, news items, uh, didn't have anything to do with Paris Games Week. It is actually a Nintendo story about uh, their first smartphone game, which got a date and a title, and I don't think it's any anything anybody <laughs> expected. In fact, it might not even be a game, really. Um, this is the first foray into smartphone games. This is a big hullabaloo. We've talked about it numerous times on this show about Nintendo finally embracing a uh, technology that they didn't, you know, they don't, they aren't releasing and putting it out on Android and iPhone. Uh, now we know the name of the game. It's called Mitomo. Mitomo. Uh, you take your Mii's, your little the Mii creatures from the from the Wii and the Wii and you U. Tomo them. And you, you Tomo the heck out of them. Um, yeah, whatever Tomoing is, uh, which evidently means like sending messages to people in a safe environment and talking to people. Um, so that's a thing. But it, but it also is going to come with a brand new networking service that uh, Nintendo is going to have. You'll have a Nintendo account that will you'll log on with Facebook and Google and Twitter and it'll link all those things in with your email address and be used all across every platform, including NX, which is the one that they're having, they're debuting soon. But it also works with all the existing Nintendo platforms. It's one ring to rule them all. Um, good, I guess. Fi- Nintendo finally embracing networking in a in a robust way. If you, what do you think about this Miitomo game? Uh, I think Miitomo is gonna just, you know, I I, I don't trust. Nintendo with this platform like they especially when it comes with trying to reach new people communicate you're just drowned in friend codes and sharing I remember trying to go hard in uh, Mario Kart DS and having to go on forums and get people's friend codes because there just wasn't random searches so I know they're you know starting to make moves forward but I think you know they're not gonna go as far as they possibly could, because they always tend to trip up when it goes in that territory. Well, I mean, it sounds like they're at least the messaging is is right on, and and you know they've partnered with a company, this D, Dina or DNA or whatever you want to how do you pronounce it, uh, that has made mobile games in the past, so they're not doing it alone, and it sounds like they're trying at least to create some sort of universal cross-platform networking solution. I don't know, uh, Christian, any hope for positivity here or no? No, I I think, you know, I'll be maybe not viewed kindly for this, but I think this is a really smart play for Nintendo and as a a business uh, aspect, I think I see what they're trying to do. I mean, ruling the Messenger app on iOS and all of the companies, I mean, this is a very competitive field that a lot of billion-dollar companies think is very important. You know, WhatsApp is huge, Facebook broke off Messenger from the Facebook app on smartphones to be its own app because everybody really wants this messaging world. Snapchat is is so huge and mostly used, you know, Snapchat stories, of course, but Snapchat messaging and things disappear. And the way that you are able to get youth 
connected and talking to each other, and then as the company, you siphon some of that data, um, is a very, very competitive space in the tech world right now. And if Nintendo can leverage their IP and their safe family, um, you know, uh, relationship with people where like this is the one that I let my four-year-old use because it has Nintendo friendly and it's a me and it's not too complex and then they're in the ecosystem and if their one Nintendo account really does overarch everything and then you're plugged into the NX or the 3DS or whatever it is if this thing works I think it could be a huge huge hit for Nintendo and you'll look back years from now and go why do all these people swear by Nintendo again it's because just like before they got them young, and they're going to grow up with these characters. I think this could be big, especially in Japan. We shall see. Um, we you yeah, shall see. We have so many games to talk about uh, this week in our playlist. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop over to that now. But first, I do need to thank our sponsor, Linda. I'm so excited when Linda sponsors the show because uh, I really believe in the platform. I think it's a really great thing to have one place, one repository of information that you can go to learn something new. Uh, It has a low, low barrier to entry, great high quality videos of experts delivering information. So basically what Linda is, is this, is this massive repository of over 3000 on-demand video courses that you can watch to help you learn better business, technology, software, creative skills, all kinds of stuff. It's it's like this giant college online, kind of. It, it, it's it's amazing. And we can give you a 10-day free trial to check it out. And there's so much there. Uh, I think you're going to love it. And you're going you're gonna to enjoy spending those 10 free days looking around and discovering all these courses you're going to want to take. The cool thing about Linda is they have all kinds of stuff from, from you know, like simple stuff like Excel and, and Word and, you know, Outlook classes to photography, game design. There's all kinds of game design courses. If you want to try to learn how to get into video game design, it's so easy to do it with Linda. They have um, 3D modeling classes, Unity classes, all kinds of great stuff, HTML5, anything you might want. Experts that know what they're talking about, clearly outlined. It's not like YouTube. This is a this is a, a professional platform where the best of the best are telling you their tips and tricks on how to do stuff. And the coolest thing is all of the videos are transcribed. So you can do a keyword search and it'll search the transcription and then it'll match that minute and second mark and you can jump right to the information in the video you need. So you don't have to scrub through endless videos looking for this one bit you might want to learn how to do a thing. You just jump right to it. It works really, really well. And like I said, 10 days free. All you got to do is go to lynda.com slash DLC. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash DLC. And uh, we'll hook you up. 10 days free. Check it out. Decide if you if it's something that's useful to you. I, I suspect it will be. Lynda.com slash DLC. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash DLC. Uh, let them know that you heard about it here by going to that URL. Lynda.com slash DLC. All right, dudes. Let's move on right now to the playlist. Ooh, Ify, you and I have a similar game on our playlist, and it is a beta. Tell me what oh, you think yeah. of Overwatch. Man, I'm having a blast. I always feel bad when I like gush over Overwatch because, uh, you know, Blizzard invited uh, me and Eric Ishii, who's my co-host on my show uh, at Geek and Sundry, to come down and play Overwatch. And then they sent us a little care package for BlizzCon. And I legitimately 
enjoy it but like everyone's thinking like it's this sponsored uh plug <laughs> that i'm doing and it's like no i legitimately love this game and uh i've been given blizzard my money long before overwatch <laughs> um but yeah i'm having a blast i think it plays really smooth all the characters feel completely different uh and you can find different team comps and i think the best you know, short description of it is, you know, MOBA elements mixed with Team Fortress 2, but it's so much different. Like I, there's a, a lot of people have been calling it like this TF2 clone and it like, it's not even like, you know, they have a payload mode, sure, but like that, that isn't unique to TF2, you know, uh, team-based shooters aren't unique to TF2, like, and they did something and switched it up, because, you know, before TF2, Battlefield was doing, you know, uh, class base, uh, had about five different classes, and no one's like, oh, tf is the same, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the beta as well, um, and no one's a bigger Blizzard fanboy than I am. I have copped to that numerous times on the show. Uh, I'm almost at 2,000 games played at Heroes of the Storm. I have, you know, countless hours in Diablo and 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 uh, WoW and Hearthstone. And I mean, I, I'm I love Blizzard games. And the thing about Heroes of the Storm is that I didn't like MOBAs before I played it, and and I didn't really, you know, I wasn't super into um, MMOs before I played WoW a low those many years ago. Uh, and you know, Blizzard tends to create, you know, take the best elements of this genre and sort of distill them down. You know, I loved magic, the gathering, but, uh, but hearthstone, like just siphoned out the best bits and condensed it and made it much more concentrated fun. And I was really expecting overwatch to do the same for me. Cause I'm not a multiplayer first person shooter guy. And I was like, yeah. well, thank, thankfully blizzard is on the case and they're going to make the first person shooter that is, multiplayer game. That's for me. And I got into the beta, and so far, it's not that. Uh, so far, it is, it, and again, it is, it's gorgeous. The characters are vibrant and interesting, all of them. There are numerous characters, and they're all really cool looking, and they have wildly different powers. So the idea behind Overwatch is that, you know, it's, it, you don't pick a class. You pick an actual individual hero, kind of like in a, in a MOBA. And that hero has certain powers and abilities and techniques that it can do. And uh, it, you can change it at any time. As long as you're in a spawn room, you can change it even mid-round of a match. You can change the character you're playing. But uh, you're, you're, you know, you're literally jumping from character to character, and they play wildly different. And the, the thing about it is, though, it still is a multiplayer first-person shooter, and it has all the trappings of that that I, I find particularly off-putting and, and not particularly fun. That the the still the sense of isolation that happens for me in a first in first person in those things where like I start out I'm with my team all right maybe I'll play a support role I'm gonna be uh, healing I'm 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 hanging out I'm right behind the guys I'm just, oh I'm dead okay I'll respawn yeah. and now I'm right, I don't have no idea where my team is uh, I'm just trying to find them running around looking for okay we'll follow the dots on the screen okay I found my team I'm dead oh man and just like the dying so quickly. Uh, that happens in uh, FPSs in multiplayer. It just, I don't know. I was, I was searching to find the fun, I have to admit. But that's more of a genre problem. And it was sort of my expectation that they were just going to fix the genre for me. But they yeah. weren't. They were making a great game that people who already love the genre will love. 
Yeah, and I feel like it definitely, because it's kind of the same way with my co-host, Erica. She's also not really that big of a first-person shooter fan, but she's been trying because she likes that IP. And I think, yeah, it's also a mix of just kind of the player base. But I messed that up. Player base. Because when I first got it that day, it was like me... And all of the big streamers on Twitch. So, like, not only are you playing against some of the best ple- best people, but then you also got people who just don't get the game. And they're trying to get kills instead of going for the objective. And it, right. for me, it was just the Heroes of the Storm beta all over again. Because mm-hmm. that was my biggest problem is... No one knew the difference. Like, you had people who knew MOBAs and they were trying to push lanes and team fight. And it was like, this is about objectives. You got to turn in those doubloons, get those seeds. Like, that's right. how you're going to win. Right. Uh, so, I think I'd say wait a little deeper in the beta and get deeper in the beta and give it a second chance. But I can see where you're coming from. Well, for me, you know, Christian and I were talking about this last night, um, right before I kicked his button, Street Fighter 2. Um, and was that before uh, or after I was leading, uh, beating you in NBA Jam when you decided to quit playing it, <laughs> I didn't quit playing. I ran out of quarters, bro. Uh, <laughs> I won the first. I won the first quarter of NBA Jam, and then, <laughs> and then you owned me. Um, anywho, uh, we were talking about this last night. I, with the top-down perspective, which is generally how I I love that top-down perspective since I was a kid. Like my favorite game of all time is Ultima. It's like that's that's sort of my jam anyway. But in a multiplayer game in that top-down MOBA perspective, I can I understand what's happening. Even if I'm bad at the game or whatever, I understand fundamentally where everyone is. I understand the lay of the map. I get it all. And in the first person, and I've played, you know, first person games my whole life. This is not anything new. And I love first person shooters in general, the campaign modes and stuff like that. I have a blast in them. It's just the multiplayer aspect. I just feel so isolated and lonely and I feel like I don't understand sort of the, the grander uh, strategy of what my team is up to because I can't see them. I can't, I literally don't know where they might be or what they're working on. And maybe that goes away if I get a, a, a group of people that are on headsets and we're all communicating to one another, but I wish there was a better solution that could just make it more clear for me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I hate to be the one to say this, but I think Splatoon is 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 your game. <laughs> yeah, because it's I mean, third person and it's it's third person. It's easy to see where people are and where they're going. You, you call because... me a baby. You're saying you're a baby man. You're some no, sort I'm of baby Splatoon man. Is <laughs> an, kid, kid I'm, thinking, I'm saying Splatoon is an excellent game that did what you were hoping Blizzard would do in terms of taking a traditional style game as shooter. You know, not I know it's not first person or third person, whatever. And reinventing it and making it accessible. It's not about killing. You don't get eliminated really quickly and you're out of the match. You don't know where your teammates are. It's only gotten better over time as they unlocked all of the features. I know there's a plethora of games coming out, but if if sorry, if Splatoon gets a good deal on Black Friday or something, pick it up, add it to your backlog, and then whenever you sit down to play it, I think you'll have that aha moment. I mean, Nintendo Nintendo's good at that, right? I mean, what they did with Smash was look at the traditional 2D fighter and say how do we make this not about getting owned by chun li <laughs> right and i, I never I had fun with smash either but <laughs> okay well yeah. i don't know then maybe not maybe you just hate fun things <laughs> well maybe no i, I like uh I, I liked you know i i think i'm pretty decent at uh fighting games and i think i'm 
I've gotten good at MOBAs and I, you know, I like playing first person shooters. I've just never been good at first person shooter multiplayer games. And I find the, 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 the rapid way you die and, you know, I've never in a MOBA gone, what just killed me? And in a first person shooter, I say that constantly. What, what even killed me? And then you see the kill cam and it's like, oh, there was a guy behind you who did a thing. It's like, well, that's not fun. I don't know. I don't know. That's well, that's life too, apparently though. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't uh, get to see the kill cam. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, it was it was cancer the whole time. <laughs> oh, terrible. That's, that's terrible. very true. That's very terrible. True. Terrible. Uh, what else is on your playlist, Ify? Uh well, the other thing I started playing. I don't know if you heard about this game, but it's Warhammer in Times Vermintide. Oh yes. Uh, oh, so I've been having a blast with that. And for those of you who kind of don't know what it is, it's basically left for dead in the warhammer universe and instead of uh zombies you're fighting skaven which are these rat people so uh, it's really fun i think it takes left for dead and puts such a interesting fun twist on it like you get loot drops you get uh you know five different classes so you can uh find like your ranged weapon or your melee weapon and upgrade it and you can take it to the forge and upgrade it so it adds like a huge rpg element to left for dead but it's not left for dead but it's that style it looks really cool and you know that uh, warhammer universe is so ripe for all kinds of crazy games i like that they're mining it and doing different unique interesting things uh this is a you playing it on steam yes yeah uh, again it's called warhammer end times vermintide yeah. Also, if we can uh, go back to Overwatch real quick sure. for uh, me and Dan Casey from Nerdist have come up on a speculation that Overwatch is not only going to be a PC release. Uh, we have a huge mm. hunch that it's going to come out on consoles, too. Reason being is I don't know if you play uh, with uh, Xbox remote or or any type of gamepad on your PC. Mm-hmm. But if you plug it in, you will see that the the mapping is just yeah. perfect. Yeah, um, and it actually changes the icons on the screen yeah. to show you Xbox buttons uh, when you oh, do yeah. that. So uh, it knows, and I think that's that would be an interesting big reveal next weekend at, at BlizzCon. Uh, yeah, are you guys like, going to be there? Heck yeah! Oh, I'll be there. Let's meet up. Uh, Let's actually, do it. Uh, Friday, I'm actually going to be live streaming the newest trailer for the Warcraft movie uh, nice. with Legendary. So, uh, yeah, to check that out. Um, I'm pretty stoked on it. Cool, man. Yeah, we should definitely hang out. I'm I'm really excited about this BlizzCon. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if they drop that bomb. I, I think there's going to be some definite big big surprises. Oh, yeah, just because there's nothing we don't like aside from the new. Uh, wow expansion there's nothing we can even you know think of that they would yeah. come maybe a big either a early d4 announcement or d3 expansion some people think d3 expansion i think with the new season system it'd be kind of hard to implement an expansion to that yeah. so i think it's going to be like an early d4 release uh maybe something starcraft related because now we know this is the last of the trilogy but they've been really quiet on what's next i'm really excited my my buddy alex albrecht is uh is hosting for blizzard he's hosting the live stream so uh, i've been peppering him for information and 
I have a few <laughs> nuggets, but uh, nothing I can share here. But I'm I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a fun year. Oh man, uh, yeah, and we'll be talking about that next week. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, tune in, listeners, on Monday. Um, what else? What else you got on your? Uh, I, think I was going to say something, but I can't remember what it is now. Uh, what else you got on your your playlist there? Uh, Secret Ponchos. Uh, I don't know if you've played that, but it's a really good uh, indie game that it's it's like a very competitive kind of arena fighting game, and you're these kind of like spaghetti western archetypes, and it's kind of like an over the top shooter, and and it's really fun. Like all the different characters have different abilities. It's it's. I would recommend you try it because it's kind of like what you want and it's not Splatoon. You know, hmm. it, it, it's a very adult game uh, hmm. because it's Secret not Poncho. Splatoon. I, it's the first time I'm hearing of it, but I'm uh, I'm Googling it now. It looks pretty rad. Secret Ponchos yeah. looks cool. Yeah. Uh, Neat art style. Oh, yeah. It's super fun. It feels very much like a Tank Girl Gorillas style. Hmm. Awesome. Uh, so it's secret ponchos, and yeah. uh, you're also uh, back into the to the the crack that is World of Warcraft. Is that right? Yes, I'm. I got dragged back in. Uh, it was so funny because I kept telling people, "Oh, I keep kind of going back." I, and it was because I was playing Elder Scrolls Online for a bit, and I had the premium, and like that was my big thing for, with playing WoW. Was like, well, if I'm not gonna be playing that much then why pay 15 but i wasn't playing elder scrolls that much and i was paying 15 so i was like let me just bite the bullet go back to wow play it with it a bit because i'm really excited for legion like i was a big burning crusade fan really liked the whole illidan storm rage yeah uh, storyline so i'm like ah, i i just need to just jump back in yeah that that new expansion is going to get me back as well it, it looks so so cool but are you enjoying the there's a there was a patch recently that added like shipbuilding and all kinds of crazy stuff. I haven't tried that yet. Is it is it is it rad? Uh well, I'm still only level 91. I just got back in like ah, just a few right. days ago. Well, you so, got some good content ahead of you, man. That that uh that last uh expansion content is really really strong, I thought. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard the complaint wasn't really about the game. It just people got bored after they finished it. So yeah. I was like that's not bad, especially if I'm joining for Legion. Then hopefully by the time I finish this content, then I'll be in Legion. So yeah, yeah. I just knock out the problem. That's, that's pretty smart. Love it. Uh, Christian, how about you? I, you uh, you finished Halo this week? I did. Uh, I wasn't able to really talk about it with you guys last week. I have finished the campaign, put in a couple hours in Warzone, and in traditional multiplayer as well. You know, longtime listeners of the show remember when we had Tim Longo on. He was the creative director at 343, and, and me saying, like, oh man, you guys have some pressure. Halo 5, like, he kind of bounced from big studio to big, not bounced, but worked on some very big games on, at some very big studios and took, kept taking these roles of, you better deliver. <laughs> uh, and man, I think Halo 5 does. I, I think everybody at 343 should be really proud of what they did. The fact that no one is complaining about multiplayer not working says so much, right? It's like when you're at the restaurant, you always hear the person complaining to the waiter about how everything is horrible and everybody's in that person's yelling, but we never do that when things work right. You never hear the person yeah. going like, my sandwich is perfect. 
Thank you. Like, the bread what... is the perfect level of sponginess. <laughs> I ordered a really weird drink combo and sandwich with tons of substitutions and you got it all right. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. what we should be doing for Halo. I know a few people had some connection problems early on, but man, oh man, a huge, huge game. I'm sure there are tons of people playing and it's just been really, really stable for the most part. So I think I think it really deserved to be sung its praises for that. Um I think the game is very good. It's very yeah. Halo. If you don't like Halo, this isn't going to win you over. If you're, you know, a Half-Life 2 guy and you've never enjoyed the go through a narrow hallway, get out into a big open area and take you're out a Half-Life people. 2 guy and the last first-person shooter you liked came out in 2002. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they're still holding on hope. Yeah. Um, there are others. It's just an easy example of, of different play styles I was going to. But yes, you are right. And now I feel stupid. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's Halo, right? They do it and they, they do it well. I think the level design, maybe some of the levels aren't the best ever, but I think also people have a tendency to conflate every past Halo into their favorite Halo, if that makes sense. It's kind of like the SNL. Um, I think people do it with SNL, too. Like, oh, my God, I love um, Gap Girls. And, like, oh, what sketch is your favorite? And then they tell you uh, a hybrid like of, like... amalgamation of all of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, my God, Halo and the Scarab Drops. And then all of a sudden, when you're in the library, and the next thing you know, when... And it's like, that's Halo 1, 2, and 3. You just described yeah. <laughs> three Halos to me. Right. But I think it does a lot really, really well... Um, and I wanted to lead with that. I do have some criticisms, but I, I want to stress the game is very well done. Multiplayer works. Warzone isn't going to be the thing that keeps me coming back, but I, I applaud them for trying something new and different for, you know, the big multiplayer pull. Um, I think it's, it's it's fascinating and that, you know, they put so much into it. Of course, you know, it's where they're going to make money with microtransactions eventually. But uh, I think that there's a lot to be said good about Halo 5. Um one of those other things, I think we talked about this last night as well, Jeff, is the way that they handle race and gender in the campaign. Everything could be done better, of course, but this is a game where you have a strong female protagonist. You have a strong black protagonist. John, who knows what who knows what John is? Maybe John's black, too. Maybe he's Native American. We've never seen his face. <laughs> but you have people of many races and many genders in strong leadership roles throughout the world. You have a woman you know, go out and get the crap kicked out of her, but not in a traditional, like, weak woman way, like the way any soldier would have the crap kicked out of her. And she stands up and fights back, and it doesn't it doesn't champion any of this. It's not like Halo 5, where you play as a black dude, or like, yeah. finally, women. be a w-. It's just like, this is a game, this is a world, and of course women have leadership roles. Of course a black dude yeah. is the leader of this strike team. Why wouldn't he be? Right. And I think There's that's no really made. cool. It's just, yeah, it just is. Yeah, that's great. Um, Agreed. So a couple of my nitpicks, and I don't think there are any spoilers here. If you want to avoid anything, tune out for a little bit. But this is very broad. I think the way they marketed the game hurts the story. They marketed it as, you know, hunt the truth, lock versus chief, battle that awesome trailer where they're at different, that statue of chief, and they pull their guns on each other. And it's like, oh, no, this is going to get hype. Um, that's just not the story of the game. That's maybe a level, uh, if that. So I think that does the game a big disservice because I was going into the game thinking maybe Chief is bad, maybe Locke is bad, maybe this we're going to get some great revolution, maybe there's a rivalry and Halo 6 will be something really cool between these two people, and that's just not the story of Halo like 5. The, 
It's like the Halo when they uh, said the battle, finally the battle is going to reach Earth, and it's like one level on like a barely <laughs> Earth, and you're like, oh, that's what this was about? Well, Aww. it reached it. It re- literally reached it and touched it. Oh, And then okay. like, yeah. yes. So I guess, yeah, they have a history of that. And I think that's Whichever a shame. Whichever one that was. Because there's a really cool story to be shown here. I mean, the game is called Halo 5 Guardians. You could have had dope trailers about Guardians. That's all I'm saying. I think the Guardians are ridiculous, but that's just me. I, really? Again, love the game, but I, I think the Guardians are they they have no they have no internal logic. <laughs> There's no like they make no sense. They're just large, and because they're large, they're scary. I don't know. Like every time they show up, it's like, well, those are big. We should be frightened of them. And then they but they don't move in a way that doesn't make any sense. And they, I don't know. Whatever. Well, they're big guns. That's what makes them scary. It's like if you see a nuke coming up over the horizon, you're scared. You're not like that nuke has no internal logic. <laughs> Why does that nuke look like a person like like a shogun warrior why does it i don't know no it looks like a sh- it doesn't matter anyway okay no maybe it does matter we can keep <laughs> it doesn't matter i'm making points here <laughs> yes go ahead um and then i i feel like that you don't really connect to any of the characters you instantly connect more to Locke and team osiris because they show their faces and they can't show John's face for some dumb reason because they haven't for so long. And so when I see Nathan Fillion and when I see, um, you know, Locke with his helmet off and emoting, I'm immediately drawn to them. And Chief and Blue Team, I don't know. I Dude, mean, I for- completely disagree. I'm, I'm so really? much more drawn to Locke just because he's the guy that, like, he's the guy in the series that I've played you mean over Chief. years. What did I say, Locke? I meant yeah. Chief. Yeah. I, I mean, the fact that you barely play as Master Chief in the game is, is a major bummer to me because he's the guy. He's the dude. He's the main character of the series. I, I don't understand that. Well, I'm saying as, like, as a story progression, I think they do interesting. I feel like I'm more compelled to learn more about Locke and his team because I see them interacting, whereas Chief is just in a helmet running and gunning the whole time. Um and I, I think that's a, a problem that the series eventually will need to overcome. Otherwise, it just gets awkward. It's not... It's almost like an end joke. Like, we can't show you Chief's fate. Show us. Just show us and don't make a big deal of it and move on. Because if you want me to relate more to this character, I need to see their face at this point. Especially when I've seen everyone else's face. Um, And then the biggest problem that I think Halo has is that it's a game that's now, what, seven, eight games in? And I don't think the lore could support it. The biggest problem that this game has in terms of a narrative is... The overuse of proper nouns. The story itself is pretty simple, but when it's it's like the guardian, the the contundrum, the I could just make something up. You know, the tundras are coming over across the forges to intersect with the skylines, and then we'll all be afraid of the bottle tops. And you're like, what? You well, mean go, I mean, go every, kill stuff. Every story is like that. I mean, every story is it, you know, every fantasy story has got. You know, hobbits and trolls and orcs and and all it's all mumbo jumbo unless it's infused with meaning. And I think the problem is that none of that stuff it's it might be infused with meaning in all the ancillary products that have to do with Halo and all the the Hunt for the Truth audio drama and the books and all that stuff may infuse it with meaning. But somebody that just plays the game ha- is, is so out of the loop of that stuff, and there's so few concessions to the player to give to bring them into the fold that it really does just sound like mumbo jumbo at a certain point. Right, and I, I mentioned that to you, you know, to you last week, where yeah, fans of the lore probably have a lot more to like. But another way that something can be infused with meaning is by giving it meaning. And I guess that's what you're saying. Like the people in the game, there's no, you know, don't just say a name. 
then say why the name is important afterwards. And I, I think you or could tell do us that. a story that isn't just referencing things that are happening someplace else. Like give us, give us a story that's an actual story and not just a regurgitation of lore. That's yeah, that's my point. So I, I, I tweeted out and I have it on Facebook. I, I thought about maybe reading it here, but it's too long. I'm not going to do it. Um, I put up, it's like a, you know, two page note doc of what my pitch of what a halo story would be. I wrote it all in, you know, in five minutes or typos, I'm sure, but I stand by it. I stand by it. The basic pitch is you're like an ODST type soldier going through this game. And the whole story is you're just trying to get some MacGuffin, whatever it is. And then, at the end of the game, you're outnumbered, outgunned, and you've set out a distress beacon earlier in the game, and then Chief answers your distress beacon, lands, and you play the last level as a super overpowered Chief, and it's just awesome, and you're killing everything, and you save the day, and you fly away, and then it zooms out, and you're that original soldier retelling his story to his buddies, and they all kind of nod along, and they're like, man, that's incredible. But you thought that was incredible. Wait till you hear how I met Chief. And then, you know, it's like four... <laughs> Halo names. stories. Yeah, Halo stories. It, the Legend of Master Chief. And the you, Legend of the Campfire. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and it pulls cool. from different sort, you know, other uh, media has certainly done that approach before too. But what Halo is great is the combat. So just give me the combat, really simplify the story, make it like we talked about last week, a World War II type story. You got to go defend this thing. You got to trudge from point A to point B. And along the way, you're going to come across resistance. That's all I need. I just want to fight. But Do the that. game does give you that. It's it's got a shell of of this big big story that I think is a little clumsily told. But the game is excellent. The combat is excellent. The stuff you do in the game is really cool. The the, the firefights are thrilling and interesting and allow for variety and improvisation. And that's what I want out of Halo. And I think it's an easily recommendable game. And the- it's just it's just unfortunate it's not a you know story home run. But it I don't think it, since Halo One the series has never had that in my opinion. Well, that's why I led with Even uh, singing its, its praises. And I think it's interesting. Yeah. I, I texted you. I think I like Destiny better than Halo. And and looking back on it, it's tough. They're different. I think I like the moment-to-moment shooting feels better to me in Destiny. But what makes Halo so great, like you said last week, is you're just it's linear. And so when they introduce a mech, you're ready to drive a mech. You're like, yes, this is a great change of pace. Or when you get a Scorpion, you're like yeah. ready. For, and with Destiny... You never really get those moments because you're not being guided through the universe. Halo, it's good. Cool. Um, have you played it, Ify? Have you played Halo 5 yet? Uh, yeah, I played it. Actually, uh, on Geek and Sundry, we had some of the voice actors over and played through 5. Uh, and uh, it, it's super fun. I It's been a while since I played a Halo and just got wrecked, but... I got to use the Elite controller, see how that felt, nice. and it was you liked really it? nice. Oh, yeah. It, it it feels so nice and meaty in your hands. Um, yeah. The triggers are a nice touch. I'm trying to decide whether or not it's worth getting uh, to play on like the PC, because uh, yeah. I'm not sure if the triggers are going to be compatible with uh, you know PC right away. Yeah. Uh, my playlist is... Uh... It feels weighty in your hand as well. This is I had a crazy week, <laughs> and the craziest thing about this week is that halfway through uh, a game arrived that I'm not even allowed to tell you what it is, but I'll just say that it made me fall out of my chair. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it took up a lot of my time playing that game that I'm not allowed to talk about, but I can talk about next week. But um, but it's nice that all these games are out 
right now because it's fall outside. Um, and it's, you know, it's cooling down. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but the, so the point is I didn't play as much of all these games as I would have liked because it's fall outside and, uh, yeah. there's things to do anyway. So, um, putting a lot of time on the overwatch beta. We already talked about that a little bit. A couple of games that I already knew I loved and are now out on new platforms uh, happened this week, including Divinity Original Sin. Uh, I got it for Xbox One. I, I will say you know, it was my game of the year last year. My very favorite game of the uh, of the year last year was Divinity Original Sin. And what they have done with this new enhanced edition um, is, is really great. It is, it is really cool seeing the game on a big screen, controlling your characters with a controller. It works well. It's awesome. I mean, it, it, transferring a point-and-click game, top-down point-and-click game to direct character control actually feels really good to me. Uh, and the game is beautiful. They, they say there's like over a thousand enhancements that they've made to the game. I'm not deep enough to sort of recognize those yet. And I put so many hours into Divinity Original Sin on PC that I don't know if it's because there's so many other things to play right now. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go back through and replay it. But uh, I can tell you that it's fantastic. And if you didn't play a Divinity Original Sin, maybe because you don't have a PC or you just missed it, uh, I could not recommend it higher on the console. It, it, it really works well. It's a fantastic game. Uh, again, my game of the year last year. So uh, the other one, uh, well, actually, there's two others like that uh, that are on just on new platforms, including uh, the definitive edition of Darksiders 2, Definitive edition because the guy's name is Death. Who you play as Death is definitive. Uh, this is Darksiders Two with all of the DLC content they released in one package for the current gen consoles or PS4, Xbox One. Um, graphic updates. I mean, it's not a complete revamp, but it does look really pretty. Uh, very high res textures. Uh, Darksiders, I think, is criminally underrated. The first Darksiders game is so good. It is. The high-def Zelda we have all been waiting for and still continue to wait for. Uh, and it, it, it was like the mature content Zelda. It's that Zelda template done with this kind of edgy Joe Madera-designed uh, art style. And it, it's awesome. D uh, Darksiders 2 is that again, but they add loot. They add uh, uh, Diablo loot. So, like, it's Zelda plus loot. It's like two of my favorite things in the world smashed together. Really cool traversal of the worlds, a fun um, gears. Uh, excuse me, God of War style combat system, but you have that Zelda style puzzle elements and traversal elements. It is fantastic, and it looks great on these current gen consoles. I played I don't know about three or four hours of of uh, the Definitive Edition, and it it's it's great. It I really had to force myself to put it down. Didn't help when that other game arrived. Uh, I mean, that actually made me put it down fast, but I think I'd still be playing it if, uh, if I didn't have anything else to play. It's, it's so, so good. And I think I, I'm scared at how poorly it will sell because the competition at this time of the year is so stiff, but I really think if you missed out on Darksiders 2, give it a shot. It's, it's an, it's an awesome third person action game. It really is good. Woefully under, underappreciated. Um, and then I also, uh, uh, Kevin Pereira, I, I did his show, and he hooked me up with the uh, download code for uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. So I got to check that out a little bit. Wow, was I impressed. Again, didn't play a ton of it yet, 
but early impressions is very positive. Uh, wow, is it? Does it bring you into the world? And the first few missions really feel fun and dynamic and interesting. And my goodness, that that like steampunk. Well, not steampunk. It really is Victorian London. It's not trying to be steampunk, but it feels a little steampunky just because of the you know you've got your assassin gear and stuff. Um, but uh, just that Victorian London and and the the style of that world is is one that I enjoy just generally in my fiction. And so seeing it uh, realized so vibrantly in this game is is pretty impressive. And uh, and really it drew me in. And you know, like, like within I don't know within like half an hour of playing, you you're like on a uh, train chase and you're t- jumping off of things and flipping around and assassinating uh, dudes in a brewery and like it's cool. It's it's super cool. Um, so those uh i have been playing uh as well as putting ridiculous number of hours into that uh, that other thing that i'll talk about next week I'm very excited <laughs> so so that's my playlist um if you did you play any of uh, any of the darksiders games at any point oh yeah i was a big fan of darksiders i thought it was really good really interesting really fun yeah um it's uh are we, did we lose audio? Uh, chat room is saying that we don't have audio. No audio. Hmm. Well, we will continue on. Well, don't worry. If you're listening to this on the RSS, you're like, what are they talking about? Sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, Darksiders, it's just a, did you ever play Christian? Yes, yes. Uh, one, yeah. never two. Um, one was a beautiful. It it made nothing made me want a big bad Zelda more. Yeah, right. And uh, we still don't have that. So, and we probably never will. Darksiders is really good. This game. Yeah, what a weird time for this game to come out, though. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, let's um, let's carve out a little bit of tabletop. Iffy, I know you're a, a tabletop guy on the Geek and Sundry. Uh, you guys are all tabletop folks over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you like you, you play anything recently that you want to bring up? I mean, well, definitely big into Dead of Winter right now mm. as we... As, as we're in the spooky season, but there also <laughs> is this new game. Uh, let me get the exact name because it's kind of a mouthful. Uh, but it's like a deck building game that kind of, I feel, mixes little Magic the Gathering in there and really... Oh, Ashes? Are you talking yep, about Ashes? There we go, Ashes, yeah. Rise of the Phoenix Born. I have it. I pre-ordered it, so I got some fun goodies with it. Uh, and I... Th- I find it so fun. Yeah, Christian and I actually played this at uh, the Geek and Sundry Tabletop Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember, Day. yeah, well, we bumped into you guys. Yeah, like- um, super cool. It very much is, it's sort of Magic the Gathering plus dice, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. and you, uh, you, you play as a, a phoenix born, when, and you summon creatures kind of like in Magic the Gathering, and you're sending your creatures at people. But the difference is that you also select these pools of dice that are separated into different categories. And depending on how you roll the dice, you can uh, activate certain powers that you have on the cards in front of you. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a very fun system because I feel like because of that, it changes up. Whereas like, you know, you get the draw power and you can, 
you can get the right mana to use any card in Magic, but in this one, it's all luck every turn. Interesting. Yeah, and you like that. You you enjoy the uh, the addition of luck. There's a lot of stuff in the game to mitigate luck, right? You can like affect the dice in, in yeah. certain ways too. Yeah. I felt like there was an Inception level mind wrinkle that I couldn't quite get <laughs> my head over because it is it almost was. I mean, developers are probably yelling at me like, that's not what we're doing. But for someone like me, it was kind of two games in one. And so it was folding over on top of itself. Like, okay, what modifier is doing? Oh, no. And like, that's the way I beat you when we played that first game, Jeff. I think that's what happened to you is that you just misplayed because your attack would would have been perfect. But then because of like the dice you rolled or whatever, you left everything else open <laughs> right and it, it's it's really it's complex in a good way but in a sit down and like someone rushes you through a demo at pax or you know geek and sundry or something like that i think don't be discouraged if you don't get it right away like let your brain fold over itself until you you see what this game is doing because it's not magic yeah. right well even magic is it can be a little brain burning if you don't have any experience with that style but uh, one of the things about that about Ashes Rise of the Phoenixborn is the beautiful art. It, every card is is really beautiful, in my opinion. I, I really liked it. Um, game that I've been playing is uh, I, I, over for Halloween night. My wife and I went over to her mom's house and decided we were going to hand out candy to the to the kids that came by her mom's house. It was fun. Had some family over as well. So I thought I'd bring a new game that I had that we could play uh, relatively quick and easily. Uh, and a game that I kickstarted is called Two Rooms and a Boom. And uh, I recently got, like, over a year after after the Kickstarter, uh, I finally got my copy. Very excited about this. This is a game, it really is a big party game. You, you can play as many as 30, 40, 50 people at once, uh, Two Rooms and a Boom. We played with six, which is the minimum you can play with it. Now, I really got it in the hopes of having like a two rooms and a boom party, which I still intend to do, but I wanted to try it out with a smaller group. Um, the idea of two rooms and a boom is that you have two groups in two different rooms and each person has a card. And on that card, it tells them whether, whether they're part of the red team or the blue team. And one member of the red team is a bomber. And one member of the blue team is the president. And the red team is trying to get the bomber into the room with the president so that he can explode and kill the president. And the blue team is trying to keep the bomber and the president in separate rooms so that the president survives. And there are a number of rounds where what happens is everybody has a secret. Their their card is secret, so you don't know who is on which team. And equal numbers of people are in two separate rooms where they can't hear each other. And they elect a leader, and that leader decides to send over a a hostage, a a number of players in one room to the other room, to send them across to the other room. And that room is sending a player to them. So you're exchanging hostages, and you're trying to make sure, if you're on the blue team, that when that hostage exchange happens, it doesn't end up with the bomber and the president in the same room at the end. And if you're on the red team... That's exactly what you're trying to create happen. So it's a game of bluffing. It's a game of trying to figure out who is what, where people lie. You can show people what you are, or you can keep it hidden. You can you can do all manner of discussion and working things out. But the fun thing is, unlike the Resistance or One Night Ultimate Werewolf or a lot of other, you know, kind of bluffing and secret role games, 
if you find out who's who, it doesn't end the game because you still have that crazy situation where it's kind of like that scene in uh, in um, Princess Bride where, you know, um, Fezzik is saying, hey, I, can't, I clearly can't do the one in front of me because you're you, you, you go, well, they know that I know that they know that I know. So are they going to send the bomber over? We have the president. Are they going to send the bomber over here? Or so if they are going to send the bomber over here, should we send the president over there? Because then that'll work. Or should we just hold on to the president thinking that we're going to send the president over there and then they'll send non bomber over here. You know, it's, it's like, what are they going to do? What are we going to do? Really fun. I would say um, six is actually not enough people for this. It really does better with more people because the discussions are more fun. And then when you get to a certain level of people, certain number of people, you can introduce all other roles so that everybody sort of gets a special move that they get to do with their role, uh, force people to show them their card or react in certain ways to cards. Uh, and that adds another layer of strategy to the game too. Uh, it's it's a blast. I I mean, literally. <laughs> I had uh, I had a good time. I think my my group was a little overwhelmed by the idea and, and warmed to it after a few rounds. The best thing about the game is that the rounds are so fast. They're timed. So the first round only takes two minutes and then, you know, one minute. Uh, so it goes quickly and you can play, we played like four or five games of this back to back. And and people were, were really digging it by the end. And I think it would work even better if you had a large group. So um, again, that's called two rooms and a boom. And I think it's pretty inexpensive to find online at this point. Cool. Cool. Um, all right, dudes. Uh, well, you know what? We have an extra, a little, some extra time. I want to do this. I've been putting this question off for a while. And since, uh, since we have Iffy here, he's, he's got a lot of experience with board games as well. Uh, I want to read this. This is from Matt. He sent this to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. And he said, um, I know Jeff at least has a lot of experience introducing people to new games. Any suggestions on the best way to do it slash explain the rules? My group used to always play strictly deck building games like Legendary and DC Deck Builder, but I really like the tabletop scene and I'm trying to get them to try new things. I usually have a hard time getting a group to pay attention to me long enough to explain the rules. Usually they get impatient and grumble with, let's just get started and get frustrated when all the rules weren't explained. Rule books need to be consulted or they make bad decisions because they didn't pay attention to everything. The most recent disaster was evolution, which I thought would be great because it's pretty easy to learn and explain. Two people created carnivores right out the gate. Everybody else protected their species and the carnivores went extinct. Two turns like that and the carnivores threw up their arms and walked away from the table. Anyway, after the deck builders, I really got into the hobby, brought a, uh, bought a lot of games and backed a lot on Kickstarter. Now I have a hard time getting people to try all these new games. Maybe I just need a new gaming group. What do you guys suggest? And that's from Matt. So Ify, what's your take on this? Have you ever experienced that that thing where you're trying to play games with a group of people and they don't want to you know pay attention yeah. to the rules yeah i think it's definitely a whole new great uh whole new play group thing because if you're not willing to sit around and listen to the rules but get mad when you make a mistake when because you didn't listen to the rules then you can't win because if they're not going to sit around or you know if you want to try be like well you remember the last time when you got pissed because you you couldn't play <laughs> it was like maybe listen to the rules so that we do it right or you know you can do it the kind of like classic D and D way where you send out the rules maybe find a PDF or something where you can email everyone in the play group before the game 
And at least, you know, the people who are really interested, they'll learn the rules. And I think the more people who know the rules uh, can prevent things like that from happening because it'll be like, oh, uh, he knows uh, he's doing this thing and you can't because X, Y, Z. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah. And then it prevents that from happening. What do you think, Christian? You've been in this situation on the other side of it often with me trying to (laughs) explain the rules and... and, uh... How's your what's your feeling on that experience? I'm sorry, I wasn't listening when you read the email. Um, oh, what the the show stinks. <laughs> uh, well, you are losing at the at the game of the show. So. Uh, as <laughs> always, you just uh, wall bounced right over and head stumped me, and then right went right into a leg kick. Uh, yeah, Honda's baby, too that's slow. How you do. That's how you do. It it's a relic, not a relic. Um. A new play group or have a sit down serious discussion with that play group and be like, look, this isn't uh, Vine. It's going to take a little bit. This isn't even a lot of modern TV shows. This isn't even a lot of modern pop songs that don't, you know, it used to be like what? Chorus, hook, pre-chorus, chorus. Now it's just like ring, ringtone, chorus, ringtone, chorus. Uh, and that's all there is. And we like that. We like short How attention span. How dare you say that about Taylor Swift? How dare you? I didn't mention Taylor Swift. I actually How think- dare you? That a lot of her not written by her songs aren't that per se, um, especially when they're performed by someone that's not her. Um, but if they're not willing to sit down and listen, it's like it's it's the problem in everything, right? The person you you bring them over and they're, or you're watching a movie with someone and they're on their phone and then they look up and they're like, "Wait, I thought I thought they were dead." Well, you missed the Lazarus pit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily as you as the person explaining the rules to come up with like a fun gimmicky way to it's like, okay, here's what you got to do. Everybody listen up. Create a game for the rules. Make it fun. Make it rewarding. When they listen, they get a gold star. If they (laughs) listen to two rules in a row and can implement them in the game, give them a piece of candy. You got to reward the listening. It's like, no, man, if they don't want to listen and play the game, uh, that sucks. But go to your local game place game hoss here in in la and glendale area there are many of these in many cities around if not reach out uh you know to um on board game geek or something like that and find a a supportive group of people where you don't need to to coax someone into playing because that's not going to be fun well another take is uh you know i I always like all right let's get ready with the parting gift you you sort of have to (laughs) cater your your rules explanation to your group you know my my wife is one of those people who she learns by doing and she's, you know, she keeps saying, let's just start and I'll, I'll pick it up as we go. And I find that very frustrating because <laughs> I'm one of the people, I'm one of the people that needs to know all the rules before we start. Like I need to know what's going on and every little detail before I start. So we come, um, you know, at loggerheads often on that. But what I find works really well actually is practice round. This one is, doesn't do anything. This is, we're not keeping score. We're not keeping track. We'll reshuffle the cards or whatever. We'll start over, but. Let's just do a practice go, you know, go through one round or two rounds, not a whole game, but just a, just a, just to see how it goes. That really helps. Uh, I also feel like the way you explain rules can go a long way. Like the worst thing you can do is just sort of read the rule book out loud to the group because nothing is mind numbing more than that. It, you kind of have to digest them yourself a little bit and be able to come at it in a more conversational way. And, and Jeff, uh, we're on you in five. Four, three, 
I don't get it. Hey guys, <laughs> I'm Difficult. I'm here to present you the rule book for D and D Fifth Edition. Do you like dragons? And just, no, just I think up. it has more to do with like explaining the goal first. Like, okay, here's what you're trying to do in this game. Here's what the goal is, and here's how you go about doing that. And you know, there's going to be Wait. there's an art to it. There's an art to explaining. Oh my god, we're setting up the Patreon today, and it's going to be. Jeff explains it, and you're just people will submit games that they want to explain to their groups of friends. There, we record. I hate to say it, there's all, already a thing like that. It's called oh watch no, it for real? It's called Watch It Played, and the guy who does it is fantastic. Oh, so just uh, go watch that. Highly, then. Go watch yeah, that in fact, that. a lot of places uh, use him in particular or or other ways uh, to uh, put out official videos. Like he makes money from board game companies when they hire him That's to great. explain the rules, and he's very good at it. Although he's very Canadian. And his accent is, is he he pronounces the word card like curd. So you take the curd. And it's uh, it's very uh, it's very. So you'll do the American version. Like, there was the British office, and then there was the American office. Uh, right, right. He's fantastic, and uh, I often learn games just by watching the watch it played video for that for that game. Uh, and oftentimes in the rule books, they'll have like a link to that. So um, yeah. Anyway. Well, I've now taken down the Patreon, and with it, all of my hopes and dreams. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, let's, let's wrap that up. I don't think that was helpful to anyone, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's, uh, we, we got a parting gift to give you guys, so stick around for that. But in the meantime, I do want to uh, thank Ify Wadaway for being here. Ify, uh, this was awesome. I really appreciate it. Where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at if he's not funny. You can catch me on the Geek and Sundry Twitch Mondays. I'll be on tonight and Wednesdays. Uh, and uh, if you're at BlizzCon, make sure you stop by the legendary area where we're going to be showing off that new trailer for Warcraft. I'm going to be hella hyped for it. I cannot wait. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm very excited for BlizzCon. It's going to be. It's always a great great show and i think this year is going to be particularly exciting uh christian how about you what do you got going down you're going to be at blizzcon i will be at blizzcon on saturday um for a little bit this thursday the 5th i will be at sketch melt here at nerd melt in los angeles the 12th is improv versus stand up at ucb franklin also in los angeles if you are in the phoenix area i will be at the scottsdale laugh factory the 19th through 22nd and then uh, Stuart Noct, Wombat from Cheap Ass Gamer, and I do a, a dumb, silly little podcast called Uninformed Opinions, where we just kind of babble about anything for 20 to 30 minutes, and you can find that uh, on iTunes and stuff like that. Mr. Kanata, what's, uh, what's going on with you? Well, I've got the Slash Film cast. Uh, this week we are talking about Beasts of No Nation, which is on, on Netflix, so keep an eye out for that. That's at SlashFilmCast.com. And uh, We Have Concerns, we just released today. We released our 200th episode of We Have Concerns. They're only 20 minutes long, so why don't you dip into a few? There's a lot of fun there. It's a comedy science show at wehaveconcerns.com. And also today, I start my first day on Tomorrow Daily. So that'll be over at CNET. Uh, I actually don't know the official URL. It's uh, Tomorrow Daily on CNET. So if you search for those things, you'll find it. Um, but yeah, I do, I'm doing a mini episode today and, uh, and then we're going to do some BlizzCon coverage for CNET, uh, also should be fun. Um, all right, guys, uh, let's, uh, let's wrap things up and give those people a parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is 
Goofy, do you have something to suggest to people to get them through the week that might not be a video game? Uh, yeah, I think uh, you should definitely uh, check out... Uh, well, I want to suggest that I just don't like the platform, but I just got into <laughs> uh, an anime called uh, One Punch Man that's mm-hmm. been really good. It's One on Punch Hulu, Man. but but I feel like Hulu has really upped the commercials now that they've released that new commercial-free option. Because I was watching it, and it was just a whole bunch of commercials within yeah. such a short span. The bad thing about Hulu is that it's not that they have a whole bunch of commercials. It's that they have one commercial a whole bunch of times. Yeah. And you, you literally have watching the same stupid commercial eight times back to back. And it's like, just just bore a hole through my skull. I, that's, that's what's happening right now. It's like yeah. Chinese water torture. It's crazy. Anyway. Uh, but that's called One Punch Man. Yeah, One Punch Man. It's pretty good. Awesome. Christian, how about you? You got a, got a parting gift? Yeah. Um, try not lying at all. <laughs> for real for a day or if you think that's easy try a week and i mean not at all and i'm not talking liar liar you know don't be ridiculous jim carrey but not at all because we all do whether it's a little white lie something dumb or silly or whatever the most recent example i was at uh you know checking out at my local neighborhood vons and they always have some like donate a dollar for this cause or whatever you know when you check out kind of thing do you want to do a dollar to stop world hunger or whatever it is did you see did you see the south park no, is that what they did? Oh, it's so brilliant. Oh. Do you see it, Ify? No. <laughs> oh, it's so brilliant. It's literally, it's that. It's the the dollar to stop. And it's it, it's ridiculous and amazing and how, how they shame him into, it was a whole episode on public shaming and it was like how they shame him into <laughs> one point. He's like, so how do I not, <laughs> how do I not give the dollar? And he, he goes, well, there's a, <laughs> there's a cardboard like little kid, homeless kid. And he's like, all you have to do is just pull the sandwich out of her mouth. <laughs> he's like, it's not going. Yeah, yeah, just put your foot on her face and pull the sandwich out of her mouth. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not, I'm not condoning what these, what those tactics. Like, it is, you're oh, there to so buy groceries. Funny. It's hard to be hit over the head with, there's horrible things happening in the world and we could all be better people. But the, the woman in front of me, she goes, do you want to donate a dollar? And she goes, no, you know. It's it's almost Thanksgiving, and I already have my, my giving budget lined up, and I know I'll have more between Thanksgiving and Christmas, so I'll be sure to come back to this Vons and donate then. Probably, you know, like mid-December is when I'll probably come, and I'll, I'll donate a few dollars then. She does protest too this, much. It's just long thing, and just like, just say no. And everybody <laughs> has an example of that, where you lie a little bit, and just try not to for a day, a week, whatever you can. No lies. No lies at all. It's... um. It's fascinating, I think. I did it, um, what was, that was Thursdays at the store, Friday. And, uh, I mean, I'm done now. I mean, I lied through this whole episode. I haven't played Halo at all. <laughs> Just read a lot about it. Um, <laughs> my my uh, my lie this week was that the game did not actually make me fall out of my chair. <laughs> right, see? Yeah. Uh, your also <laughs> lie was that. that you can't even say the name of it because you did four I can't. times. <laughs> no, I did it. <laughs> I will deny that to my grave. <laughs> There's another lie. Anyway, <laughs> it's a fun little mental exercise to do. Um, There's also a story on it. Uh, I think it was on NPR. I was like on KCRW about uh, the how easy it is. This is months ago, but how easy it is to lie and believe your lies and you don't even realize you're doing it. Anyway, take a break. See if you can go a day or a week without lying. And then lie to me and tell me you did it. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting challenge. The Spicer Challenge. Uh, 
Uh, I'm going to do something uh, that is much easier to do. <laughs> a show that I have uh, just been binge watching because we're going to talk about it tonight on the Slash Filmcast is Project Greenlight. I watched those old Project Greenlights back in the day, and the new Project Greenlight that's on HBO this season, uh, I kind of ignored, and the guys were like, no, we want to talk about it, so binge watch it. Oh, man, <laughs> I started watching the first one at like 11 o'clock one night, just streaming it on HBO Go, and I stayed up till 2, just binging. It's so it's so compelling, the, uh, the reality TV hooks that this Project Greenlight season has on HBO is, uh, is pretty, pretty intense. I found it fascinating and interesting, especially as somebody who has been on a set and, you know, is in Hollywood and has a lot of experience sort of behind the scenes on, on movies and stuff. It is, uh, it is really fascinating. Um, so we're, we'll be talking about a lot on the slash film cast as well, but watch it. The, the, the movie that project Greenlight is about, which is project Greenlight is about making movies. It's kind of a behind the scenes documentary about making this movie for it's a about first ruining time. Young directors, future careers. <laughs> well, I don't know. The guy, the first guy, uh, Pete Jones, yep. he's still working and he's in fact in this up. season. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so who knows? It's about giving people a shot, but, uh, the, <laughs> yeah. the movie, the movie that he directed that you see the behind the scenes of him directing, I think premieres tonight. So, um, perfect time to catch up on project. I, I found it fascinating. So, uh, highly recommended from me. Uh, all right, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of DLC. Uh, thank you to if you want away Christian Spicer, uh, Maggie and Hattie and Dan at five by five. Thanks to all the people in our chat room. I think we lost you at some point. I don't know why I, I feel bad, but thank you guys. You guys are always um, my favorite part of the show contributing as you go, uh, as you listen. So thank you for that. And thanks to everybody that downloaded the show this week. Hey, why not give us a five-star review on iTunes? It really does help. Uh, it does increase the viewability of the show. People can discover it easier. It's great. Or even better, or maybe, and uh, recommend the show to a friend. We appreciate that. It's a great way to spread the word. Uh, DLC is every Monday live on the 5x5 network, 5x5.tv slash live. And, and we're here at 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific time on Mondays. Until next week, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs> <laughs>